Greetings, this is Jeff Riddle, the pastor of Christ Reformed Baptist Church in Louisa, Virginia. And this is going to be another in this series of readings from the preface to the King James Version of 1611. That preface is known as the Translators to the Reader. And I'm going to be reading from my personal Bible, which is a KJV turquoise reference edition that's published by Cambridge University Press. And the preface, the translators to the reader, is found there on pages Roman numeral 5 through 18. In this episode, we're going to be reading part or section 11, which has as its title, A Satisfaction to Our Brethren. Here now is this section 11. And to the same effect, say we, that we are so far off from condemning any of their labors that travailed before us in this kind, either in this land or beyond sea, either in King Henry's time or King Edward's, if there were any translation or correction of a translation in his time, or Queen Elizabeth's of ever-renowned memory, that we acknowledge them to have been raised up of God for the building and furnishing of his church, and that they deserve to be had of us and of posterity in everlasting remembrance. The judgment of Aristotle is worthy and well-known, if Timotheus had not been, we had not had much sweet music. But if Fearness, Timotheus's master, had not been, we had not had Timotheus. Therefore, blessed be they, and most honored be their name, that break the ice and give the onset upon that which helpeth forward to the saving of souls. Now what can be more valuable thereto than to deliver God's book unto God's people in a tongue which they understand? Since of an hidden treasure and of a fountain that is sealed, there is no profit. As Ptolemy Fideleth said to the rabbins or masters of the Jews, as witnesseth Epiphanius, and as St. Augustine saith, a man had rather be with his dog than with a stranger whose tongue is strange unto him. Yet for all that, as nothing is begun and perfected at the same time, and the latter thoughts are thought to be wiser, so if we, building upon their foundation that went before us, and being holpen by their labors, do endeavor to make that better which they left so good, no man, we are sure, hath cause to mislike us. They, we persuade ourselves, if they were alive, would thank us. The vintage of Abiezer that strike the stroke. Yet the gleaning of grapes of Ephraim was not to be despised. See Judges chapter 8, verse 2. Joash, the king of Israel, did not satisfy himself till he had smitten the ground three times, and yet he offended the prophet for giving over then. Aquila, of whom we spake before, translated the Bible as carefully and as skillfully as he could, and yet he thought good to go over it again. And then it got the credit with the Jews to be called kata akribion, that is, accurately done, as St. Jerome witnesseth. How many books of profane learning have been gone over again and again by the same translators by others? Of one and the same book of Aristotle's Ethics, there are extant not so few as six or seven several translations. Now, if this cost may be bestowed upon the gourd, which affordeth us a little shade, and which today flourisheth, but tomorrow is cut down. What may we bestow, nay, what ought we not to bestow upon the vine, the fruit, the fruit whereof maketh glad the conscience of man? 
and the stem whereof abideth forever. And this is the word of God, which we translate. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Tanti vitreum quanti verum margaritum, saith Tertullian. If a toy of glass be of that reckoning with us, how ought we to value the true pearl? Therefore, let no man's eye be evil, because his majesty's is good. Neither let any be grieved that we have a prince that seeketh the increase of the spiritual wealth of Israel. Let Sanballat's and Tobias do so, which therefore do bear their just reproof. But let us rather bless God from the ground of our heart for working this religious care in him to have the translations of the Bible maturely considered of and examined. For by this means it cometh to pass that whatsoever is sound already, and all is sound for substance in one or other of our additions, and the worst of ours far better than their authentic vulgar, the same will shine as gold more brightly, being rubbed and polished. Also, if anything be halting or superfluous, or not so agreeable to the original, the same may be corrected and the truth set in place. And what can the king command to be done that will bring him more true honor than this? And wherein could they that had been set at work approve their duty to the king, yea, their obedience to God and love to his saints, more than by yielding their service and all that is within them for the furnishing of the work? But besides all this, they were the principal motives of it, and therefore ought least to quarrel it. For the very historical truth is that upon the importunate petitions of the Puritans at His Majesty's coming to this crown, the conference at Hampton Court having been appointed for hearing their complaints, when by force of reason they were put from all other grounds, they had recourse at the last to this shift, that they could not with good conscience subscribe to the communion book, since it maintained the Bible as it was there translated, which was, as they said, a most corrupted translation. And although this was judged to be but a very poor and empty shift, yet even hereupon did his majesty begin to bethink himself of the good that might ensue by a new translation. And presently, after, gave order for this translation, which is now presented unto thee, thus much to satisfy our scrupulous brethren. Here ends this reading of section 11.